0: Welcome to New Legacy Radio with Christine Erickson. Our weekly programming serves the growing global community of people without children. We also inform practitioners and institutions who influence policy, organizational culture and media narratives about issues of concern to our community. Now, on to our show.
1: Welcome, everyone, and thank you for tuning in today to New Legacy Radio. I'm Christine Erickson, your host. And I am also the founder of New Legacy Institute. The Institute was founded to focus on social equity and policy concerns related to the community of people without children. And today we are going to speak to one of the issues that I think is really at the heart of so many experiences in our community, and that is infertility. And the diversity of those experiences, the devastation, the. Industry focus on reproductive technologies and several of the things that we have discussed before with different guests. But today we're bringing it together in a really, a way that I support from my heart um, in film. And we are so fortunate today to have Irina Vodar with us. Welcome, Irina. Thank you so much, Christine. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you. for those of you who do not know Irina, um, she is a documentary filmmaker maker, and I'm going to share a bit about her. She's an award-winning, award-winning filmmaker and today we're going to introduce and invite you um, to ways that you can actually screen her film, Anything You Lose. Um, Irina is also a graphic designer with 20 years experience in the film and broadcast graphics with ABC News. Her distinctions range from the 30th Daytime Emmy Award nomination for Outstanding Achievement in Main Title Design and the Telly Award, the International Monitor Award, the Add and Design Promo for ITV Award, the George Foster Peabody Award, and Edward R. Moreau Awards. That is quite a list of accomplishments. Disclaimers, disclaimers. (laughs) Um, As an indie filmmaker and a Women Make Movies and a New York Women in Film Collectors member, Irina wrote, produced, and directed two full-length documentary films. And today, as I said, we are going to speak about the second one, which is currently going to be having its North American premiere um, in Los Angeles, California, this Saturday, October 7th. 7th. And if you are in the area, um, we will be giving you more details later as to how you can attend and how you can purchase your tickets. And also for those of you who are not in the area, how you can attend virtually worldwide. And uh, we look forward to sharing more about that later. So thank you, Irina. I know there are so many um, commendations that I could continue. Um, please do read her full bio on the site. It, um You have a fabulous background and bring so much insight, depth, and knowledge to not only this multifaceted art space (laughs) that you live and breathe in, um, but also around infertility journeys and especially your own journey. Can you share a little bit about, well, first of all, I'm curious what brought you to become a filmmaker in the first place, and then maybe a bit (laughs) into what you know, what inspired you to do this film and to do something so closely focused on your own life that also impacts so many of us universally?
2: Mm, Thank you so much. So how I became a filmmaker is a story of itself. I was (laughs) old and uh, I saw uh, the scene from the window um, of a man running across a rooftop with a gun. And he ran across, stopped in the middle, pointed the gun to the right, to the left, and then directly at me. And that was the width of a courtyard. Um, and so I was shocked. You know, I kind of like slowly lowered myself beneath the windowsill wow. <laughs> for safety and uh, stayed like that until my parents came into my room and said, What are you doing? Why are you hiding? And go, go play outside. So I went outside and this beautiful young woman came to me and she said, hello, little girl, did you see the film crew? And I was like, oh, that was the film crew. And it stuck with me for the rest of my life. From that moment on, I realized that films have the power of changing reality, and that was something that I always wanted to
1: do. So moving forward. (laughs) I'm recovering over here. I'm so glad I asked that question. (laughs) Thank you for that. Wow, are sure. powerful, what a powerful.
2: Sure, so moving <laughs> forward, um, I started, I picked myself as the subject for my second film because, um, not because I was starstruck and I wanted to <laughs> be the movie star, <laughs> quite contrary, I'm very shy and I always wanted to remain behind the camera. But in this particular situation, um, I I was married and my husband and I um, started going through reproductive technologies. And after the first year, I thought we were just going to be tremendously successful right away. But the fact is that after the first year, I started feeling the the pull of the situation. And so um, questions of Um, validity of the journey started coming to my mind. And so I needed to have some kind of auxiliary support (laughs) to go through this experience. And in my case, I decided to take the camera and start filming to give myself an added strength. So essentially, while I was going through the reproductive treatments, my camera became a shield for me Mm. so that Everything that I was experiencing was hitting myself first, but it was also ricocheting off my camera lens. Yeah. And so it gave me this feeling that if it works, and of course, my hope and dream was that it will be successful. But if not, at least I will have a record that I have really, really tried. And there would be a record that will stay with me forever. And that was the really reason why why I picked up the camera and started filming.
1: Wow, well, um, goosebumps as you're, you're sharing that perspective, thinking of just the power of that word, validity. And you said the validity of the journey. Um, I know so many who can resonate with that and how that question permeates people without children's experiences, both in this space and beyond. Wow. Thank you for that. Yeah. And also, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry.
2: So it's um, and it has been it has been quite difficult. I can say that um, I since this is my second film, my first one was quite successful. I had the premiere at the Berlin Film Festival and it received awards and it was screened internationally at 32 various film festivals and was Mm -hmm. shown on television. So I was naively expecting that my second film will follow the same path. But um, throughout this journey, I have found out that topic has a lot to do with distribution. And in this particular case, the topic is so um, controversial and um, a form of a societal taboo, Mm -hmm. so that um, it added weight to process of completing the film, finding people and organizations who could support it, and uh, particularly releasing the film. It has been extraordinary. Um, I can share a little story with you when I had an early screening of the film in London in 2019 as part of Fertility Fest Mm -hmm. initiative. And as it frequently goes, the programmers of the festival, they tend to balance the program so that my film was showing in in a theater. And then at the same time, they had a birthday celebration of Louise Brown, who's the first IVF baby born in UK. And on the day of my London screening, she was turning 40 years old. Mm-hmm. So needless to say, all of the press, majority of people who were attending the festival, everybody went to her birthday celebration. Mm-hmm. And um, I had... Um, maybe 50 people in the audience. But those who came, I had a girlfriend with me who came to my premiere to support me and what? she said that she had overheard somebody sitting behind her saying that they just found out about the screening on a pure accident at the last minute and how uh, how happy they were that they chose to come there, not not to the celebration needless to say people have different journeys but to those um who are still struggling with um infertility and it is unresolved i think it's very important to see an expression of their own personal path reflected um out in the world you know and uh, so that's that was really special and then um after 2019 um I couldn't find any distribution and uh I was absolutely exhausted personally from um from going through the treatments and like everybody else was looking for some way of uh recuperating and so what I have done I put my film on ice Uh, To the point that I started, I stopped mentioning to people that I'm a documentary filmmaker since 2019. (laughs) That was it, you know, my career stopped. And uh, this year, out of the blue, as inspiration would have it, I just had this impulse to come back to the editing table and just take a look at what I've done. Um, and I have done that with a completely different um with in a completely different headspace. Mm-hmm. Basically, I thought to myself, well, this girl who I was back then, put a lot of effort into this project, mm-hmm. and there is a lot of good footage. So maybe I can take a look and see what I can do with this, kind of clean it up. You know and my intention was to take that product that i have cleaned up and just throw it on youtube because something inside me said that this project in order for me to finish this particular stage of my life Mm -hmm. this product just simply needs to be released and it doesn't matter in what format and it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter if people would appreciate it or not it's just for me personally I sat on it as a personal secret for much too long. Mm-hmm. And it's time for me to do something with it. And so I have a group of people they are in my writing circle. There's four people in my writing circle. We share stories, you know, we like critique and edit our writing. And I shared this cut with, with my writing group. And one of the members, she begged me not to put it
1: on YouTube yet. <laughs>
2: But just give it one more week. Just think about it one more no. week. Maybe there's something you can do with it. And, you know, from from the barrage of uh, previous rejections, and yeah. when, when you get, you know, anybody, when you get a rejection, it hurts. But in this particular case, it was like a double whammy. Yeah. Because not only uh, I was unsuccessful with the reproductive technologies, but also my film was going nowhere. <laughs> yes. And so Mm -hmm. I I didn't really Mm -hmm. want to submit anywhere anymore. Yeah. But I thought, you know what, I just owe it to that girl Mm -hmm. who made such an effort to simply do due diligence. And so um, I submitted to uh, the first festival that I saw on Film Freeway and i was shocked when i found out that i have been accepted and my shock was triple when i received three awards in three different categories from that very first film festival i was just sitting at home staring at my computer screen you know there's like a confession Mm. falling down the screen (laughs) with the word (laughs) congratulations and i was wow I was absolutely numb.
1: Wow. Yeah. What a beautiful story. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. My pleasure. Wow. I mean, the that moment of choosing to take back your power and that girl's power has led to this moment of something in you that has been released, that will impact, is impacting and touching so many people with similar experiences. And we know that there is, I mean, devastation upon devastation, I mean, and particularly in what you've just shared in your own life, from not only that journey, but your career, your expression, to take that back is the triple power against that triple whammy. We are so grateful that you did this and that you're here today to share share this with us. We are going to continue this wonderful conversation with Irina, and, and we'll get into some of those other things um, You know about what else she has learned from the film, what some of the responses to it have been, and what her message is to our community and listeners who may have similar experiences or who may be going through that journey right now we're going to take a short back and we'll short break and we will be right back stay tuned thank you
3: voice america at facebook.com forward slash voice america for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts new legacy institute is committed to equitable and inclusive change to recognize the millions of people without children we invite you to learn more about the institute at NewLegacyInstitute.com. join us in creating meaningful and actionable change for our community today New Legacy Radio is a social justice platform for people without children. Our weekly show airs globally and is supported by listeners and readers like you. Your contributions and sponsorship are a unique opportunity to support your community and for our allies, businesses, and organizations to recognize and include people without children. To make your contribution, please go to SponsorNLR.com. We thank you for tuning in and look forward to sharing our platform with you. Streaming live, the leader in internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com.
0: This is New Legacy Radio with Christine Erickson. Now,
1: back to the show. Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for tuning in. We are in conversation with Irina Vodar, and we are discussing her current documentary anything you lose in the previous segments um you shared such brilliant stories and your own story irena thank you so much for that and you know as a anyone who puts their expression out into the world um we always there's always a curiosity of what change what messages you want to be received from this and what struck me in the last segment as well, which is something that um, I've had the opportunity to discuss not only with other filmmakers, but people in this space who are trying to create change around what are still taboo issues, as you mentioned, um, which are many in the community of people without children, all of the different experiences that that people have on those journeys. And the the difficulty in finding those spaces to easily distribute finance, Support from the beginning. Um, it was such a lovely journey. And I hope that work like yours and art and expression like yours contributes to that changing, as well as all of the other things that we are going to talk about shortly. You know, that even from within our community, we can find better ways to support one another and to showcase this kind of work that has such a, an impact for our community and beyond. Um, so with that, I would like to come back to this question of, you know, what change do you want to see in the world um, from your story, sharing your story from the film's messaging?
2: Mm, thank you. Well, <clears throat> the film lives at the intersection of two disciplines, medicine and psychology. And I think uh, the main change I would like to see is exactly that, so that the medical community understands that they're not um, healing a broken leg, let's say. When your Mm. leg's broken, um, you just, you know, it affects your body, nothing else. But when you're going through the infertility journey, this is equally affecting your state of being your self-awareness your sense of self and so it's such a vast question um (laughs) and i want to say everything i know and i want to hear it all (laughs) i think from personal experience so i have several wishes um they are for medical community to understand that they're dealing with a extremely sensitive subject, extremely personal subject for the people, and to have a form of sensitivity training in terms of delivering bad news to patients, and in terms of psychological support for patients. Um, I also would very much like to see similar sensitivity training in workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, the place where I work, for instance, has a wonderful tradition of posting um, newborn babies. Mm-hmm. And that is wonderful. But for people who are going through their infertility journey and or inactive treatment, This is a knife to the heart. I remember um, one time this one colleague of mine came in to show off her newborn baby. And um, she was going from one office to the next, showing off her beautiful little baby. And I ran off before she got to me straight into the bathroom. And I screamed, and yelled, and cried, and punched the wall for quite some time, so that I was missing from my job for maybe half an hour. Mm-hmm. And when I came back, my, uh, my boss, she was like, Are you okay? I was afraid that you would react to this. And so it is a complicated situation, because we want to celebrate everybody, we don't want to single out one group over the other, I believe everybody should be included, accepted, supported and appreciated. But in order to deal with this sensitive subject, I think, it's really important to saturate the environment with understanding that there are so many people who are going through infertility the stats oh my God uh when I was doing my uh early screening in 2019 Mm -hmm. um the stats were one in eight couples were affected right now I looked it up to prepare for, you know, release of the film, it's one in five, one in five. That means that infertility is skyrocketing. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of it, a lot of it has to do with the fact that it is not discussed. So people are continuing to digest has the media been saying, All this time that you know reproductive technologies or the cutting edge that you don't have to worry as long as you have the money you can have it that there is a lot of effort being done right now to increase uh infertility coverage with health insurance and that is a wonderful initiative But what is not being discussed is that even if you're lucky enough to have infertility coverage in your health insurance, depending on your age, your chances are quite low. What is maddening for me, absolutely maddening, is that this is a story that's been in development for so long. And you know, I've been I've been looking at the ways how important stories are broken, particularly, I was looking at me Too movement. Mm -hmm. And I thought, what is the secret? How did Mm -hmm. they do it? Because you can see a lot of parallels between me too, and infertility awareness. Um, and so the specifics of the story, you know, since I work for a media company, I actually, you know, like, I do stories every day. <laughs> and so the interesting thing about Me Too movement is that the original tape that brought down Harvey Weinstein was recorded a year and a half before the story hit um if uh there's a uh, this uh, beautiful italian gymnast girl who wanted to have a role in the movie and she came to harvey and she asked him for support and so he was coming on to her she shared with his, with uh, her agent and the agent suggested to record the conversation she did and the two of them went to the police precinct and were left right out of it And for a year and a half, nothing was done until Ronan Keaton, who was the son of Diane Keaton, wrote a really good comprehensive article in the New Yorker magazine. And I was thinking, why is it that other people try and don't get through, but Ronan did? what was it like, what was that secret ingredient that allowed him to break through the surface and actually expose the story that created such a gigantic movement in society and such a wonderful positive change. And I think part of it has to do with his heritage because he knows the film industry in and out and he was able to relate to it, not only as a journalist, but also personally, because he grew up in that environment. So I don't know um, what is it going (laughs) to take. But uh, personally, I feel that um, my infertility journey is my legacy. This is um, a shameful subject. This is a difficult subject. And at the same time, this is what makes who I am. Mm. And the time has come for me to stop uh, putting myself down for it and instead accept that this is part of my journey and this is what makes me unique. This is what makes me special. This is what gives me qualities that I now possess. And just with that knowledge, I'm going to move forward and um, share my story in hopes that one way or another, it will break through the surface and people will start coming out. And the thing is, there's such a huge community of people who have gone through infertility journey unsuccessfully. One of the biggest secrets of um, the industry, the reproductive technology industry, is that uh, almost 70% of patients are unsuccessful. I have to say, back in the day, um, that was 2013, when I was filming um, the last scene of the film, and I had a panel discussion, I, I put together this forum um, for uh, emotional effects of reproductive treatments, overcoming the emotional effects of reproductive treatments. and. I had a panel of specialists. Uh, One of the members, uh, Miriam Zoll, is a renowned journalist, and she shared with me this link on CDC that actually showed realistic statistics. In 2014, CDC was showing that um, 72% of patients were unsuccessful. I thought, ooh, this is really great. You know, we always, as filmmakers, we go for those links. We need our sources to prove the information. And so I saved this link. And um, two years later, when I was just double-checking, I saw that link had disappeared. Never to
1: resurface.
2: Yes, never to resurface. That is true. Also, I can share with you that um on television infertility is uh one of the subjects that's being covered but the way it's covered always has a baby in the arms and i have tried because i'm you know i'm i'm in the industry (laughs) but behind the scenes so i have tried to pitch something to the producers or um suggest something you know from my small personal (laughs) position that i occupy and i have noticed that the way the stats are done in these programs they go to google just like anyone else they google stats they don't go into uh deep research and so what are you going to do when that particular link is no longer available.
1: Where do you get your information? Mm -hmm. Wow, thank you for bringing that uh, forward. Um, I think about the work that we do at the Institute and as we look at media as well, from from articles to television television shows, films, and how so often over the last, I don't know, maybe since 2014 or so, you know, I'll make, comments like why is this the image with this article just something very simple and it's always argued as to why <laughs> and i'm like this is antithetical to what's being discussed you know and it's never i i think we're we it's like swimming we're all swimming in this water right <laughs> of systemic pronatalism of personal pronatalism where Sometimes I I believe at this point in my conversations over the years that people really, not only can they not see it, they don't want to see it. And I have asked this question in so many corners, exactly what you're talking about. And I think here I am speaking with you, a filmmaker working in media, and who else would I want to listen to influence this, right? In my organization or in, and we need to be listened to. We need a collective platform to be heard. There are so many individuals doing work within their places of work, et cetera. And that is part of the initiative for the institute is how do we bring this together, you know? And and just as I was saying, how do we support films like yours and the work beyond the film? How do we do this more creatively and collectively to be heard around things like this? Because as you know, these are everyday incidents and interactions and influences put forth by the media, often without any related voice participating.
2: The way people are, um, they think in logos, logos is like um, an image slash um, a quote that takes a complex concept and puts it out as a one liner. Mm. Uh, For instance, adoption, a beautiful option, Mm. wombs for rent miracle babies and so for us as a filmmakers the task would be to bring in another logos in the mix that will allow instant recognition and understanding of the concept and the problem i have been working on this diligently and i would think that i have a little story to share Um, I think my logos would be, people think it's easy, all you need is money, and it's not. To illustrate the story, one night I was coming out of the building of the station, and uh, um, I see another woman coming out of the building, one of the producers on my show. And she has been editing um, a very difficult material. And so she needed to go outside and just catch some fresh air and to, you know, refocus her mind. And she sees me standing there and she's like, Hi, how are you? What's going on? And so I told her, Well, I made a movie. She had no idea that I was a filmmaker because, as mm-hmm. you remember, I just kept it very quiet. And so I told her about my film. I told her a little bit about the story. And she said, you know, 15 years ago, a friend of mine who was in the industry, who was in reproductive industry said, you know, you are in the media. You should be able to do something about it. People think it's easy and it's not. Mm. And so... It has been 15 years for that particular producer, and we're still not hearing that story. And I tell you more, you know, I'm very <laughs> if I'm feeling very like strong about my message. Like, you know, yes. if the story is within you, it needs to come up. Yes. So I have tried in various ways to like jump the levels. And, yeah. You know, and introduce the story and hope that somebody is going to pick up and like maybe do a little, you know, do a little show or like a little mention or something. Mm -hmm. I got through to one executive producer back in the day when I was going to London and I said, look, I have this film. You can take a look at it. You can do a story about London, you know, and a little bit about the festival, maybe a little bit about the film. And he's like, "Okay, let me see it. Yeah. and i i gave him the link and then next time i saw this man he was intentionally not looking at me there was something i couldn't understand like it was i knew that it was intentional that he did not want to like but i don't know why i don't know if it's mm-hmm. because he had to say no or is it because uh, the the message was too strong or I really couldn't understand but I just saw that helplessness he felt helpless you know and he was hiding his eyes from me and uh similar things happened later on when I was showing trailers and then I discovered that what happens a lot of times I show somebody a trailer. And they've actually been through it, but they're hiding it. Mm. And I start and they don't want to admit it. And so only by their reactions, by the fact how quiet they are, how their voice is quivering, I understand that it touched them so deeply, it must have been something personal. And You know, at this point, I have accepted that, you know, the movie's my baby. It's been in the making for 14 years. (laughs) Um, And um, I understand that this is one of the characteristics of the topic. And that's okay. I have accepted it. This is perfectly fine. I know that probably I'm not going to be celebrated. And it's not necessary. It's not necessary to celebrate. It's just my, my... most important intent is simply to become one more voice mm-hmm. in the chorus of voices that are acknowledging a big problem and you know there are Many different audiences for this, like there are people, there are young people who are oblivious to what they're heading into because they're listening to the stories that you could be a mom when you're 60, you know, that are being broadcast. Uh, There is a segment of people who are in treatment, who are so devastated, they're not watching any media, they're just surviving day by day. And then there is uh, the third segment of people who have been through it already, who are recovering, and they're looking for um, a a new sort of meaning in life. And so um, I would, to saturate the airspace, so to speak, I'm hoping that we can somehow start getting to the younger generation, because it is a choice in life that's affecting everything.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much for those insights and stories and all of the ways that I know are resonating with so many of our listeners and people from all of those communities and audiences that you just mentioned. We are going to take a very short break and we'll be right back with Irina and we will continue this conversation about the personal journey And her message to those who are going through this and have been through this. We'll be right back. Stay tuned.
3: Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. New Legacy Radio is a social justice platform for people without children. Our weekly show airs globally and is supported by listeners and readers like you. Your contributions and sponsorship are a unique opportunity to support your community and for our allies, businesses, and organizations to recognize and include people without children. To make your contribution, please go to SponsorNLR.com. We thank you for tuning in and look forward to sharing our platform with you. new legacy institute is committed to equitable and inclusive change to recognize the millions of people without children we invite you to learn more about the institute at newlegacyinstitute.com join us in creating meaningful and actionable change for our community today as humans we suffer when we believe we are not good enough we are taught we must be better look better try harder and achieve more We cope with the stress and disappointment of life in ways that make us feel worse and keep us stuck in a cycle of unworthiness. We don't have to live this way. You don't have to live this way. Kirsten and her guests will share how self-acceptance and unconditional self-love can help you break this cycle and find freedom. Listen to Giraffe Tango Octopus Freedom for Humans with Kirsten Johansson. Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: This is New Legacy Radio with Christine Erickson. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back, everyone. Um, I hope you have stayed tuned throughout with this incredibly powerful conversation with Irina Vodar. Um, we are discussing the infertility journey and her new documentary film, Anything You Lose. And Irina has been so generous in sharing her brilliant insights and perspectives, not only from her own her own experience, but around the industry, and I think has such rich um, compassion and, um, again, I'll just say generosity for anyone who has experienced this or who is unaware of what this experience might be. And so often it is very different than it is it is portrayed um, in ways that we are marketed to. Um, well, uh, she even mentions you know, the statistics, the real statistics of reproductive technologies and the su- successful outcomes. If we can't have access to that information, how do we go forward from here? Um, and Irina, I'd, I'd love to come back to your own process and the emotional and exhausting journey of all this—not not only going through the infertility process, but you know, layered with the other things that other people may experience. You know, setting down your career and that identity, the identity of becoming a parent—all of these pieces that create this oh, extreme, the extremes, the highs, the lows of these journeys. And what would you want to share most with our community and other people who have experienced this? How did you navigate these emotions and how did you come to a space of, as you mentioned earlier, acceptance and some shape of healing to be able to be here today and in the way that you have reemerged to share this impactful film with all of us?
2: Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, It has been a very long process. Um, I've been pushing myself to get out of it because naturally I'm a very um, strong and due diligent person. And I should say that infertility is the only experience in my life that put me to my knees. Mm -hmm. Um, I did not like being in this position. And so I've tried everything I could to get out of it quickly. But unfortunately, it doesn't work like that. I remember in the very beginning, once I stopped the treatment, and it became finite, that I will not have children. Um, We tried adoption, but it did not work out. It didn't feel right at the moment to me and my husband. We were too devastated to bring another person in our lives. And so I ended up like everyone else in this big black space without the top, without the bottom. It felt like I was in open space, you know, just rotating. There was no light in there. There was no purpose. It was only time, there was time running, and I didn't know what to do with that time. Um, I lost my purpose, I lost my compass. And in order to reemerge from there, the first thing that I had to do is to forget about the outside and experience this time stretch from within. I felt all of the gamut of emotions that's associated with infertility. That's shame, isolation. Um, When I was going through the treatments, I could say that it was addiction because it was leading to a tunnel vision. I understand why if I would be put in these shoes one more time I'm sure that I would have gone through in exactly the same way because the promise of reproductive technologies is to deliver a miracle baby and that phrase a miracle baby it is a miracle that's why it is called so and everybody is expecting that if you pay the money, you will buy your a miracle. That is not so. It takes the strength of spirit to get yourself out of that black space where you find yourself without a purpose. And so I had to sit with myself for quite some time. And to acknowledge, it started really, really small, it started like, you wake up in the morning, and you have this whole day ahead of you, what do you do? You don't want to go outside. You don't want to talk to anybody. You're you're affected to the point that you can barely perform at work you're with yourself and so what i have discovered for myself is that you have to make friends with your negative emotions it's not easy but it is a part of you it's what you call the shadow self Mm -hmm. There are four basic negative emotions and if you know how to relate to them they are your friends Mm. there is uh depression and what depression does it allows you to sit and think and say goodbye to what you were hoping will come through and did not happen And when you're feeling debilitated, that is the time to say goodbye. When you're done with that, the next emotion comes to pass, and that is the worry. What do you do? The worry that you feel, I remember I used to have butterflies in my stomach all the time. For most, the tiniest little tasks, I would come to work, my hands would shake, I could not remember my password, I could not log in. I had to write it down on a piece of paper. So when the worry strikes, it is all of the questions coming in at once. What do you do? The third one is anxiety. Anxiety is fear. Fear tells you that you have to start acting when you have already found out what needs to be done. And the final one is anger anger tells you that you have been through you have set the new environment you already used to it and now it's time to go to the next level so these four emotions are your great friends when you understand what they're trying to communicate
1: beautiful thank you so much for that Irina um and it's such a shame we're out of time I can speak to you for so long um And so appreciate what you have offered here today for all of us, and particularly those in our community who have experienced this. Um, Please uh, follow anything you lose on Instagram and look at the website and our socials, and we will give you more information about the upcoming premiere. And please, please support the premiere. Attend in LA or purchase your virtual ticket today, okay? Until next time, thank you so much. Bye-bye.
2: Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for tuning in
0: to New Legacy Radio. We hope this show has given you thoughtful context and insight to better connect with our community. For more information about the Institute or to share your questions or comments, find us on any of our social media platforms or simply go to newlegacyinstitute.com. New Legacy Radio. Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.